Shut up and sit down. Welcome to Random Thoughts from the Road on the Ozark Rides Digital Network. Conversations about motorcycles, any random thoughts that pop into our head, and of course, one of the best places to ride in America, the Ozark Mountains of Missouri and Arkansas. And now, here's your host from OzarkRides.com, Craig Allen and Randy Lewis. You know, riding the long, lonesome highway or back roads aren't always the smoothest. Hitting the occasional pothole or rut can take its toll on your ride. Whether it has two wheels or four, keep Heartland Honda in Springdale in mind. They can service and repair your on-road or off-road vehicle. And when it's time for something new or pre-owned, Heartland Honda in Springdale can fix you up. Check them out online at heartlandhonda.com or give them a call at 479-751-7022. Heartland Honda. Work hard. Play hard. You meet the nicest people at Heartland Honda. There he goes, finally off to work. You know, it's been six months since his accident. He just got his new bike, was going to take it for a spin around the block. Some idiot looking at his phone ran a stoplight and plowed right into him. Steve was hurt pretty bad. Thank goodness he was wearing a helmet. And thank goodness for Schmidt Law Firm. Motorcycle accidents happen. Schmidt Law Firm will prove negligence and help you get full recovery. Find them online at KansasCityLawyers.com. Put Schmidt Law Firm on your side of the table because motorcycle accidents do happen. Heading out on the open road is the perfect way to spend a beautiful day. Located deep in the heart of the Ozarks, Pulaski County, Missouri doesn't disappoint with its breathtaking scenic views. Some of the pit stops you need to check out as you make your way through the countryside include tributes to veterans and active armed forces members at Fort Leonard Wood, the John B. Mahaffey Museum Complex, Memorial Grove, Freedom Rock, and many more. Historic sites like the 1903 Courthouse Museum, the Old Stagecoach Stop, and the Rubidoux Spring Cherokee Campsite. The Bow and Barrel Sportsman Center, featuring an indoor gun and archery range. The Uranus Entertainment Complex, a truly out-of-the-world experience full of quirky finds and home to the most delicious fudge along the Mother Road. And some popular food and drink stops, including Home Plate Grill, 28 Shots Bar and Grill, Sweetwater Barbecue, The Tap on Route 66, Hopper's Pub, The Burger Stand, Piney River Tap Room, Route 66 Taco and Wings, and Sweet Peas Barbecue. Find more great places and plan out your ride at visitpulaskicounty.org. Well, welcome back to another episode of Random Thoughts from the Road. With me, as always, is Randy Skidmarks Lewis from Bikeworks in Havana, Missouri. <laughs> Don't always, deny it. Just go ahead and accept shit. it. What's up, pussycat? Nothing much. I've got some terrible news that I just read about this morning, and I haven't okay. told you about it. I want you to get your reaction mm. you ever been up to anamosa to the national motorcycle museum i have it's awesome isn't it by jp cycles yeah yep yeah it is awesome you need to get up there and i'm going to before no. september 5th they are shutting their doors forever really closing their doors uh you know they shut down for the uh covid pandemic yeah. and never recovered and so they have announced that uh, the last day of opening last day of business will be september 4th 
of this year. And then on the 6th, over 300 bikes and 1,000 pieces of art will be auctioned off at Mika Auto Auction. Wow. So take your wallet. Wow. So, you know, they just, it, it's why. terrible news. I, I love that place. Yeah. Yeah. And and as old as I am and broke down, I'm going to go back up there again before it uh, you should closes. Absolutely. Um, the next best motorcycle museum is Barbers. Me. Barbers? I think so. Not wheels in through Alabama. Time? No, wheels through time is a is a niche. It's a great Man. museum. It's a niche of old bikes. Um, you know, really old bikes and garb and memorabilia. Yeah. And- parts barbers to me is um there's more of a, a an assortment of different types of bikes than you will see at yeah i guess you can say wheels that. through times so and that's that's kind of the way animosa is too it's not just all harley stuff there's first generation motorcycles there's i mean there's a bunch of stuff yeah exactly so i don't know what your plans are but you ought to probably think about going up there i've i've already yeah. got a stack of pictures from that place but Oh, it's cool as shit. Oh yeah. I took my wife and kids Take up. Take a backpack, start heisting stuff on the way out. <laughs> yeah. yeah By no know. officer, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm pretty sure, which I don't know this, but when I went, I was like, Man, this is an old Walmart. Did they it actually it was. In? I don't know if it was Walmart, but it was an old retail outlet. But then you walk in and it's just like holy shit. Yeah, it's like they just gutted the whole thing and rebuilt yeah, it and everything. I mean, every square inch of the walls are covered with old stuff. I think there are five or six other motorcycle museums throughout the country, but I found that one to be the nicest, the best. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah just from an aspect of all there, the different things you could see. It was, I want to say it was a, it may have been Honda. It was an old, I think it was a Japanese advertisement where they crushed a Harley into a little square cube. No, I didn't see that. So uh, I think looking at the placard onto it. Was that there in Anamosa? Yeah. The cube? Back in the day, it was a Harley brand, or not a Harley brand, but like a metric brand or some other brand used a Harley for their advertising and they crushed it. And that cube is there. How cool is that? It, it is pretty neat. I know they had uh, Steve McQueen's bikes there. Yep. Uh, yep. The bike from, uh, what was that movie uh, with Dennis Hopper? Easy Rider. Easy Rider. That's it. That bike was there. Yep. Or yep. one of them. I guess there were several bikes for the movie and they just yeah. rotated through them. Something like that. Yeah. So that's that's bad news. So again, get up there before uh, September 4th of this year and uh, take your camera with you. Yeah, so, take some history for sure. Exactly, because you'll never get a chance to see it again. I think that's where I saw the one of my the first time I ever saw one was in the seventies. I can't remember if it was a KZ one thousand Z one R turbo pack. Oh yeah, it was a factory Japanese bike with a turbo on it. Really? Yep, and it was called the Turbo Pack. Hmm. So what have you got for me? What 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 did you decide you wanted to talk about? Oh it's, shit! It's uh, Randy talks Sunday. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Really? It's like Oprah here, huh? Yeah. I I had an interesting story, I guess. Or not really a story. So one of the delivery guys that brings parts to me, he's a great dude. Rides an Indian. You dig him. He was talking about going to the swap meet in Sedalia that they have at the fairgrounds. Right. It's just a couple months ago, something like that. And he said that I'm not a nervous person. I'm not a guy that gets amped up or gets nervous around other bikers or anything. He's like, that is the first time I've ever been nervous at an event 
I said, well, what the hell for? And he's like, well, there, yeah. was, a, there was a bunch of clubbers there. And I was like, yeah, but so know, no, no need to be nervous around them. And he's like, ah, you know, most of the time I know. And he's like, but we walk in and everybody's in their cuts. The HA has a huge booth and there's a fight going on as soon as we walk in. And I'm like, well, that's kind of out of character. Whatever. must have been a, a squabble between them or something. Yeah. Dinner and a show. Yeah, yeah. So it got me thinking about how, you know, most motorcyclists that aren't affiliated with a club, how they do get tend to get nervous around them or tend to get on edge when they're around a club member. You're going to have a reason because I don't understand that. I really think it's just because of the unknown and the stereotype behind them that everybody's always put out there Uh, for so many years. Perhaps, but they're just people too. Evil, yeah. So we were talking and I was like, man to the normal guy like truth be told like they don't give a shit about you they don't care anything about you they don't care who you are what you're doing anything until you infringe on their world a lot of people get the idea that their whole sole purpose in life is to try to intimidate you or scare you or you know focus on you as a citizen yeah it's not that way it really is not they don't want to draw attention to themselves no you're not a clubber i'm not a clubber let's put that out there okay yeah but been around a lot of them, been around a lot of big groups, sure. small groups, you know, really, really sketchy ones. But those big groups typically don't give a shit who you are. No. Especially in a, a public event like that. Like the last like, thing they want to do is bring more attention to them. Exactly. And and like we've said so many times before, if you're going to have trouble with an organization like that, 99.999% of the time it's because you started it. Yes, yes. Dumbass. So (laughs) it's kind of like, I don't know if people are afraid of them, but it's kind of like a snake, okay? Yeah. In theory, I'm not saying that they're snakes, but what I'm saying is, is most people are afraid of snakes. Me, no. Most, you know, country boys, typically not, but you always respect the snake. You know, when you see one, you keep your distance. You don't go poking the bear and push it on. If you stand over it and pee. Yes, yes. It probably is going to be upset about that. (laughs) Typically, that's what you get the retaliation of something that you had done. So my advice to people is, is it kind of goes back to when you're a child. I don't know if everybody else was taught this, but you don't speak unless spoken to. Okay. Mm -hmm. Don't run up to them and be pushing on them, want to shake hands with them, asking a billion questions, you know, bullshitting with them. Like you're not that guy. Mind your business and they'll mind theirs. Yes, yes. So. Exactly. So it was kind of one of those things I was like, man, you know, I'm seeing a lot more and more clubbers at events and it's kind of getting to be or in our area rather, you know, they're setting up booths. They're doing not necessarily recruitment, but somewhat a recruitment. But they're also doing a lot for the communities. Yes. And for different charitable organizations. A lot of them. Nobody wants to remember that. No, a lot of them will. They they get a bad rap just for... It's the hype. Yes, exactly. So the only, the one big thing that I can say is typically, like I said, you will not ever have an issue out of one of them. Most of them are pretty laid back and pretty easy to get along with, you know. But one of the things that was brought up to me, not by this guy, but somebody else is like, well, I was on the freeway and there was a good group of them. And, you know, I just got in the left lane and was looking to just pass them and get past and they wouldn't let me pass. What the first thing with that? I'm like, okay. So let me, let me break it down in my perspective of it as far as why. It's not because they don't want you to pass or they don't want, you know what I mean? Like it's right. not it's not a deal like you're insulting us. But you have to remember that the majority of everybody sees them as a bad apple. The majority of everybody sees them as they're out there 
trying to create problems. And you also have other clubs trying to move in on their territory, move in on them, try to get a one-up on them. So the reason why they typically won't let you pass on a freeway is because they don't know who the hell you are. They don't know what your intentions are. Exactly. So they usually have a guy at the back that will cut you off, get out in front. Well, that's his job. Yeah. Usually the road captain. Exactly. Because in their mind, they're thinking, who is this guy? Is he going to ride up beside us and just start? You know what it's like? You know, I'm trying to think of an analogy. What it is like is um, being in Afghanistan. (laughs) Yeah. And you're with your platoon or whatever, doing your patrol or everything. And here comes this uh, local coming up to you. Right. Now, is he just passing you by? Is he coming up for nefarious reasons? Right. The point being, they don't know. Exactly. They don't like it. And you shouldn't do that. But there is also a modicum of uh, respect. Mm -hmm. So when you come up on a pack like that, uh, a lot of times the road captain, which is the guy at the back, he may see you and wave you on. Yeah. And if he waves you on, no harm, no foul. Yeah. You're not going to have a problem. That's that's it's his his choice. Get past as soon as you can and then don't look back. That's right. Just move on. The other thing is. They're not moseying along under the speed limit. So Typically, just, no. <laughs> just if you don't get waved on, pull back just a little bit. You're still going to be going, you know, plenty fast enough. Yeah. And just uh, enjoy the ride. Yeah. The bare minimum um, you yeah. the speed limit. Yeah. The other option is if there's a McDonald's or something, you see an off ramp or a little store, or, you know, uh-huh. quickie mart or what have you. Pull off. Have yourself a soda or a beer or whatever or you know, a burger and, and enjoy your day and then let them go on their way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very hypocritical for me because I'm the type of person that I'm like, look, I don't answer to anybody. I don't take anyone's shit. I don't typically, I do not abide by everybody else's plans or rules or whatever, but I'm also not an idiot. You know, I'm not so obtuse that I can't see that I'm not the biggest, baddest, most important thing in the world. You know so. how hard it is for me not to say anything when you said, so I'm not an idiot. there's another hypocrisy there i am hanging out with you that's right there's a little idiosity in that oh i don't want to say speaking of idiots but you don't know this or maybe i don't know if i've told you or not i'm old i don't remember a lot we have our very first ever in all the years we've been doing this non five-star rating ah yeah 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 okay it was a one-star rating Ooh, we missed so, the mark there. Well, I guess. what base? I I don't have it in front of me, so I can't read it uh, word for word. And I'm not going to say who it was. I don't know them. Um, said uh, started out saying found these guys and thought I found a new home for my motorcycle podcast listening. Mm-hmm. But every other word they said was f blank blank blank. Ooh. And I just can't abide by that. So I will keep on looking and never listen to them again. And so I'm wondering to myself, now I edit these podcasts yeah. and I'm wondering, what, I'm gonna say, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> you mean fiddlesticks. Fiddlesticks. <laughs> yeah. So I go back through some of them and uh, I don't get my feelings hard. You know, when you do this kind of stuff, you're going to get poor ratings, yeah. but this was the first one. Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe we do use too much. And I haven't found one where we said fuck more than three times. Usually you say frick. Yeah, yeah, what the frick? Or F what you heard or something F like what that. you heard. Yeah. You know, so, I was thinking you know, about that after. If he, you know, I told my wife about it. You know what she said? Obviously, he was a missionary Baptist. 
<laughs> Very specific there. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, you know, you know, that's that's funny you say that because we don't make any bones about what it is here. Like we don't say, Oh, we're this or we're this. We don't put on we, airs, we don't no, just we're, we're just, just us. We're just who we are. Um it, it cracks me up in situations like that because and this is a stupid cross reference here. Most and while people, we do say the word occasionally, he was patently putting oh, yeah. out false every other word. Yeah. Anybody that listens to us for any amount of time, no, that's not so. Yeah, you know, you could choose two different ways to go in that situation, and that is either not listen, which, granted, we don't want to insult the listeners. No. We appreciate every listener that we get here, whatever. He could have chose to not say anything, move on about his day, but no, he took the time to find where you could write a review, write a review, rate it, and then say that I'm not coming back. Yeah. That, to me, just speaks volumes to that It's some kid in his ba- mom's basement. Either that or a khaki-wearing mother trucker. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So here, here's here's something. I, I just found it very humorous. Oh, yeah. I'm not offended. I just made it, me smile. It is what it is. But most people like fast food, right? Yeah. A lot, a lot of people Who do. Most people do, sure. Yeah. There's so many studies about how horrible fast food is for you. Right. Correct? I mean, sure. bad for your health, bad for everything. Packs on excess weight. I mean, it's just not good Look for you. Look at me. Exactly. You're a fast food lover. They hate what it does to their bodies. They hate the way it makes them feel. And anymore, they hate the price, right? Oh, it's expensive anymore. But they're still willing to go back and still eat it and still enjoy it, whatever. So where do you draw the line of what, you, what, what you're willing to do and what you're willing to go through to get right. what you want, you know? So it's different for everybody. Yeah. When you said that to me, I'm like, all right, you know, whatever sticks and stones. Remember that old saying? Yeah. Words won't hurt you. Words won't change anything. I heard that saying before you were even born. More than likely. So this is what I really take the offense to and the knock at and like, kind of like, well, shoot, maybe we need to be doing something different. If the content of what we're saying is not good enough, you won't deal with the stuff that you don't like to listen to the content. Right. Much like, you know, eating at McDonald's. You enjoy the food, so you're willing to deal with the repercussions of it. Of course. To enjoy having it. And see, I wasn't offended at all. I, it made me laugh. I thought it was funny. Yeah. It, it was, I took it more like, all right, well, we've missed the mark somehow. Maybe our content's not very good, or maybe it's this, or maybe it's that, or maybe it's just a freaking troll. Now, nobody's saying our content isn't crap. I acknowledge it's crap. <laughs> yeah. It is beyond me to why people listen, yeah. but I'm thankful. Yeah. So... Whatever. Keep writing in. Guys, if you like it, great. If you hate it, great. Let us know. Whatever. It may or may not change. Now, if we anything. got a bunch of negative stuff, I would take that very, not personally, yeah. but I would take it seriously and adjust accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. We're not. Uh, but still be ourselves. Yes. No, no sellouts. But. So when I first started this podcast, I told you we're not going to cuss on it. Mm-hmm. Even though in real life we do a lot. I, you remember what I said when you very first told me that? I uh, know. I said, what the fuck? I can't say that? No. Because I'm always like. It was like George Carlin in the seven words you're not allowed to say. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, so I th- gave you all these words we can't yeah, say. Yeah. But then after a while, I thought, you know, we're pretty much being ourselves. This is who we are. Yeah. So why not just really be ourselves? Pretty much. That's the way I look at it. And if people don't like it, I don't care. Yeah, and if if you really want to go back and look, like if you're if you're a longtime listener, or if you really want to find this fact out, I don't think we really started 
cussing, so to speak, or saying the F word if it offends you. But like uh, oh, we were three two, or four two, months ago at the most. Yeah, we were two and a half, three years into this podcast before we uttered cuss words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And finally, I just said, fuck it. Well, let it rip, kid. Let it rip. So it, it is, is what, what it is. is. You know, nobody's yeah. perfect. Nobody's great. So what else do you have to report? Well, if you talk about my world, I feel like I've turned into the sportster haven of mid-Missouri because I've got so many sportsters in my shop right now. And it's not just little stuff either. Like I'm redoing a 73, 1000 um, iron head for a guy. I'm doing a basically a full resto on a 77. And then I've got an 05 that this guy bought, super low miles, but it looks like it's a hundred years old. It's just been abused and not taken care of. And then I've got another, like an 06, 07, highly modified, highly customized. Is that the one that is looks like a uh, dual sport? No, I'm getting to that. Oh, because I kind of like that one. This The one on this one is... This guy got it. His father bought him and his brother one and then passed away like very, very short after that. So this guy, him and his brother's bike were both in the garage and they looked identical and it irritated him. So essentially he went to Harley and they opened up their catalog and he says, I want this, 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 and just went through the list. It's got custom paint, aftermarket wheels, a bunch of chrome accessories, a bunch of stuff done to it. Well, it's been sitting for a little while. I can't remember what the this guy's story was as to why it was sitting, but now we're going back through it and getting it back in shape. And then I have, oddly, it's like an 05, 06, maybe 07, 1200 that is a dirt bike. That's the one you're talking about. So, it needed a little work, but it had a lot of potential. Yeah, yeah. So the guy... In fact, when I first looked at it, I thought, I'll be damned. I never knew Harley put out a dual sport like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fun. it's actually been a growing trend around here. Really? This is not the first one I've done. So it's it's actually kind of neat. And it's kind of got me like, man, I kind of want one of these bikes. And then I just finished up a project for another guy. I did two bikes for him. And he came in and saw it. And he was talking. He was like, I kind of want like a dirt bike out of a sportster. And I was like, holy shit. Let me show you one here. I love those uh, classic uh, scrambler over and under pipes. Yeah, yeah. So this one's got, now granted, who he got it from, I mean, they kind of hacked it up. Like, it's not really done to a very great degree, but it's got cool bones. It's got a set of Duro tires that are massive. I mean, big old fat knobby tires on it. Um, Typically what I do is, like on the rear suspension, I get larger, like say Burley or Olin's shocks, 15, 16 inch tall shocks, something like that. And that's what raises the back up, gives you a big ground clearance. These guys literally took three eighths inch plate, welded it to the top of the swing arm and left the stock shocks and just raised to it. To give like it that, that lift. Yeah. And I'm like, oh guys, come on now. Like if you're really talking about doing something and making it work, like those shocks suck for yeah. that. It's been chain drive converted. Somebody's built a set of pipes that are, in essence, kind of neat, but poorly, poorly executed. And it's got these trash-ass little mufflers on the back. But it's a, they're high pipes. They're up there by the seat. They extend way out the back. And then on the back side, underneath the seat, they literally cut the frame off, built a big loop, and then welded some struts to it and moved the cut the rear fender up quite a bit, but... Moved it up and then back like seven inches to get more coverage over the rear tire. And then it's got this 
big flat seat on it like you would have seen on, say, like a 77 Honda CB or something. Um, and then the front suspension is just stock fork, stock everything. So we're talking about maybe convert to a cartridge style or literally just convert it to a dirt bike front end. It's got stock like eight inch tall risers, but then it has a set of, uh, I want to say they're motion pro fat bars, dirt bike bars. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, that bike has got a lot of potential. Oh it's yeah. It's good looking. First I mean, glance. It's like, wow, that's cool. On the pipes though. I mean, I would, I've liked the style of them. I think I would have gone onto eBay or found a, a junkyard somewhere and found some like old 69, 68, uh, Honda 450 scrambler over and under <laughs> pipes. And then cut them off at the front yeah. so you can uh, build adapt your it. own, adapt it. Yeah. That would have been cool. I would have done something a little bit different, but hey. It, it That's because you're a little bit different. Yeah, it is just what it is. I really do particularly like building custom exhaust systems, but it would have been really, really neat to build a set out of stainless or titanium and make them really, really tight and really, really high. And then went back to a good set of like, say, S&S short mufflers, just specifically for that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even done a, a two-into-one high pipe or something like that. So now you get a little bit of torque and sound and performance out of it. But it's it's really neat. And it's really kind of a neat concept that I've been seeing a lot more and more of lately. Is taking these sportsters and turning them into back road riding dirt Dual bikes. sport bikes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a good idea, actually. The last one I did, it, it was a really cool one. Like, this kid did it pretty well done some neat stuff had a lot of nice parts on it you know i've got that dirt bike track back behind my shop for my yeah. son so we get it finished up yeah he hates that yeah absolutely can't stand it huh and i went through that dirt bike track on this sportster you know going over loops high bank corners big tabletop jumps just for testing purposes no it's because i wanted to okay <laughs> i'm good buddies with that guy so I, oh, okay he didn't give two shits about it and i've obviously like if i did something and broke something or messed it up i'm fixing it and repairing it at my cost but it was just really really cool and what i found was yes they are bigger and they are heavier than a dirt bike yes can't you can't knock that but compare it to a klr 650 not much weight difference yeah not i mean more torque more power than a klr so they actually are pretty good platforms for making those bikes yeah you're not building a motocross bike you're building something you can tool around on the old dirt roads or yeah, you know take it through the field take it to the field or whatever hit some jumps do some you know the gravel roads in our area are really pretty cool mm-hmm. but most people don't want to take their electric glide or there's you know any other street bike out there on them so we have countless amounts of miles in our area of gravel roads chip and snow. oh shoot Takes you can you... go all day and then some and yeah. not touch and a highway exactly so as far as riding goes trying to get into those avenues without you know say you're that guy that just refuses to have anything but a harley yes there's, well, there's your guys answer. out there check that out dude like yeah make one of these harleys the, a sportster into a dirt bike or a dual sport bike if you will and go adventure on all these miles of gravel I wonder if you have. couldn't even do that at probably a lesser financial cost than buying, a, a say, a, a Honda Africa Twin or the Harley a Dual Sport. Yes, without a doubt you and can. cheaper and it's more unique and it's better. Better is a relative term. I mean, you talk about a Sportster Dual Sport to that Pan America. 
bullshit. <laughs> like that well, I'm, when I say better, I mean better for the individual because you're building it for that you person specifically. Tailor it, yeah. Tailor exactly. it. That's a better exactly. word, yeah. So when I do dirt bikes, we always tune suspensions and stuff to the weight of the rider, like you're really supposed to do, as opposed to just, you know, buying it, running it just like it is. So with that in mind, you could take a Sportster, put cartridge-style forks on the front, or convert to dirt bike forks on the front, have something inverted, something really, really good valving, really, really good rebound. And then you can set the rebound rate. You can set the spring rate. You could change the rear shocks out on the back to some really, really killer shocks. And again, change rebound rate, change everything to your style of riding, convert to a chain drive. So little crap rocks, sticks, don't chew up a belt. Mm -hmm. And then I really particularly like the mid controls that are on them. In fact, on that, that one you were talking about, they had, I mean, they had cobbled some junk ass controls up to it. They were really, really low. So the idea about having low controls on an off-road bike is that they drag on stuff. You know, they hang up on stuff. So I had a set of mid controls and some controls off another old Sportster. So we put those back on there. It didn't have a rear brake. Everything was there, but because of the angle of the chain, they couldn't put the brake actuator onto it. So no rear brake on this bike. So we're fixing that. Um, there's just a lot of stuff that you can do to them to make them very, very functional. I'd like functional. to have one. I kind of would too, honestly. I really would. You have that big dog kind of shifting gears here. You told me, I think you did anyway, it's hard for me to remember, remember I'm a geezer, that you had a problem with the electric on it. Mm -hmm. You had to kind of rewire it. Mm -hmm. I was talking the other day to a real good friend of ours, uh, Malcolm, who has a big dog now. Has a big dog now. And... Uh, he says, man, it looks like I may even have to have the whole electrical yeah. replaced. Is that something that is known with big dogs? Did they phone it in? Because every time I hear about one, it's always the electrical problem. Yeah, so without shitting on big dog too terribly much, they didn't phone it in. They put a lot of effort into designing their wiring and designing their stuff. It just wasn't executed very well, in my opinion. So on a Harley, everything's positive based, you know, power in, power out. Right. From my understanding, the big dogs are negative based. So they can run less wires and small wires and their controls are on like a grid, like a circuit board that you'd see in a computer. Mm -hmm. So minimal wires in, the grid does all the work and sends it back out. They had what was called an EHC as opposed to an ECM, like on a Harley. And I've just seen so many freaking issues with them. Most of them were related to spark in the actual bones of how a motorcycle runs and operates. On Malcolm's particular bike, I'm having issues with headlights, turn signals, things like that. I've got it running, got the brakes working, all that stuff works, but it's now to pass inspection, you have to have all these turns and crap like that, right? So that's where I'm finding But turn the signals issues. are not required by law. No, no, they're not required. In but the if you have area. a set, like say you have some on the front, you have to have them on the back and they have to work. Yes. Yes. Very or correct. you can just pull them off. Correct. On big dogs, the rear turn signals are the brake lights and taillights as well. You don't have a third member that is a brake light taillight solely. Okay. So, which you could, you could still get away from that and take the fronts off. And then you'd have these two lights on the back and you say, no, those are my taillights. That's brake light and taillight. So you could get away from it there. So big dog cells, it's called an EHC 
RIP kit. RIP standing for rest in peace. Their idea was this is the upgraded modem. This is the upgraded everything. It's rest in peace to the old EHC. This is the new finagled great one, which I have found isn't always even better than the old one. Like I'm still finding issues with them, still having issues. So anymore, as far as me being concerned, the status quo for me is to just be like, look, you may not have an issue right now, but there's a high probability you'll have an issue in the future. Or if you're having issues, stop wasting money on the big dog kits, these things. Let's just gut it. Start from scratch properly. Let me rewire it. And it's probably because I'm a Harley guy. Everybody knows that. I'm very familiar with their systems. I'm very familiar with all their stuff. So let's just gut it. Let me rewire the bike front to back and make it tried and true. Like I've never had issues with the wiring on custom bikes that I've done. It's very minimal. It's very simple. I can still run turn signals, horn, high, low, all that crap. It's just, in my opinion, it's more tried and true, more bulletproof to do it like that. Yeah. The couple issues you will find with that is Big Dog, their handlebars are like inch and a quarter or inch and a half. I think they're inch and a quarter. You know, on a Harley, it's you get an inch and a quarter, but then it necks down to one inch yeah. at your grips and your risers. Yeah. Some of them don't. Some of them, they call them like buffalo bars where they're inch and a half all the way through the risers, whatever. So when you do that, do you change the handlebars all the way out to put something else on it? Well, part of the thing behind the big dogs is they're stretched and you almost have to build a set of custom bars if you want to keep that look. So what I've been doing is measuring in off the end of their bars and cutting them off. And then I take a set of Harley bars and sleeve it, essentially. You know, say I need seven inches for the controls and the grips. Well, I cut them off eight or nine inches, slide a couple inches into the old big dog bars, and then weld them up right there. I can still internally wire it, and then I put a set of Harley controls on it. And then I typically use NAMS products. I really, really like NAMS wiring products. And put a NAMS wiring harness onto it. Those harnesses are somewhat expensive, relative term, I understand, but they're like five or six hundred bucks for the entire wiring harness. Usually come with connectors too. Strip all the big dog, the main components of the big dog off as far as their controlling systems. Put the Harley controls up there on there, put the NAMS wiring harness into the location underneath the seat, wire it out, and I can still use a lot of the connectors that big dog uses as far as like their main harness plug-ins and they're very, very small. So it makes it nice to run through the frame or through the bars and then just kind of plug it into where we need it to plug into. But with Malcolm's bike, that's the way I would like to lean. Uh, he's supposed to be giving me some prices back. So Malcolm is a rep for Schmidt law firm. Right. And he goes around to all these motorcycle shops trying to get Schmidt law firm out there and, and get know. the name out there. Yeah, it, exactly. So he sees a lot of people. So I think up in St. Louis, he's got a guy that is a big dog only dude. So he was looking to get a price on a new EHC from him or having me just rewire it. So kind of waiting for that to come back before we decide what we're going to do. But yeah, big dog wiring has always been problematic for me. I've seen a handful of them. I've owned some of their stuff on every one of them I've owned, I've rewired. Well, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap things up there. One thing I wanted to remind you of, May 11th through the 13th, I think, 
Lake of the Ozarks Harley Davidson is doing their annual Ozark Rides yeah. event. Yeah. And uh, I encourage you to come on out. I'm going to be out there. So is Malcolm from Schmidt Law. I don't know if you're going to be able to make it or not, but uh, come out and say hi. There'll be lots of events, tassels and all. <laughs> yeah, get to see some of the new products. They kind of tour you on some rides around the area. Yeah. And just, it's just, it'll be a lot of fun. It's just another event, another way to gather. It's like, like a mini rally. People. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. So if you've liked uh, what you have heard, uh, despite our best efforts to screw the pooch on it, uh, you might consider becoming a a member on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Ozark Rides. Or you can go to OzarkRides.com and click the link on any page. We do appreciate your support. And uh, it keeps Randy and whiskey. Yes, it does. Which, with or without this, I'm going to be. Makes them tolerable. (laughs) Yeah. Very true. So until the next time, be sure to ride safe and always keep it on two wheels. Aw, fiddlesticks.